I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of All Things Policy, where we discuss policy issues of relevance. My name is Priya Lincia de Almeida, and my guest for today is uh, my colleague and my friend Mahek Nankani, who works as an assistant program manager at the Takshashila Institution. Hi, Mahek. Welcome to this podcast. Hi, Priya. Thank you for having me here today. No issues. This is this is going to be fun. Okay. So <laughs> hopefully, I'm recording a podcast after quite some time. Yeah. So it will be fun. Don't worry. Okay. So Mehak, I think we all know right now if we have read the news and etc. That recently, US has been considering to expand the eligibility for the monkeypox vaccine. But we know that a lot of low-income countries are still struggling to procure the you know the initial doses for the vaccination. And this happens with a lot of like. high income countries where they sort of procure a lot of doses probably more than what they need and that ends up having a bad effect or like a sort of a problem for the low income countries to procure them right so which sort of this kind of concept i know is called vaccine nationalism but like can you explain this concept to our listeners a little more in deeper and a little more clearly yeah so like a lot of people have different terms for it some but some say it's vaccine nationalism some call it my country first approach right so like vaccine nationalism or my country first approach is basically when a government of any country acquires doses through an arrangement with a manufacturer right. prioritizing its own people while limiting the access of vaccine to other countries right. then we call it as vaccine nationalism hmm. so what happens is basically pre purchase agreement for with manufacturer mm-hmm. and pharma companies a lot of rich countries acquire vaccines for example if a xyz rich country needs 10 doses of vaccine at right. the moment huh. but just because that they have kind of kind of money and resources they'll buy 20 those 20 of those vaccines for themselves right. which limits the number of vaccines available to other countries right. and that's been happening quite some time it's not like it's happened in covid-19 it's happened before as well so this is what is called a vaccine nationalism and for example like the united states or the united kingdom or japan or the european union some countries there had spent actually billions tens of billions of dollars dealing with these vaccine front runners we knew mm. that we had pfizer we had moderna right johnson and johnson mm. even astrazeneca of course yes. even before their effectiveness was proven right and that's what limited the access of lower and poor income countries to have access to the vaccines for covid-19 and that's how we know that even still i'm sure india is doing much better than a lot of other countries in the right. vaccine rates and but we know that where us is actually trying to increase and enhance the eligibility of people who can get access to monkeypox vaccine which is not even news today there are war torn countries there are very low and middle income countries who are still struggling to find initial doses of vaccine to vaccinate their own people. right so this has happened in previous outbreaks it's happened h1n1 it's happened for aids now it's happened again for covid-19 but like a lot of people have 
called out against it. WHO has been raising concerns about vaccine nationalism for right. quite some time. And also a moralistic problem because there is no global cooperation happening in such a scenario. And it has some consequences attached to it of course for example like what if a country bid against another country hmm. and yeah. uh, so nobody takes care of such situations like that and we know at the end who suffers are these poor people from these low and middle income countries who have no choice and yeah. who have no access to who are probably things. not the starting point of the problem either yeah but, exactly and also I remember one of the arguments was towards vaccine nationalism like for vaccine nationalism was also that you know enough I think I read it in an op-ed or something that in the flight also when there is oxygen mask available mm. they encourage you to put yours first before exactly. you put it on yeah. somebody else that if you help yourself first you'll be able yeah. to help others better but in this kind of a thing when you're sort of storing more doses than required while yeah. there are people dying I don't think this argument really makes sense yeah and like in a case of pandemic yeah. it's a worldly problem people are not realizing the fact that everybody has to do that yeah <laughs> exactly like, it, it can the problem you can only control the pandemic not it's not like only rich people or rich countries have to be vaccinated all people from all parts of the world have to be vaccinated so that we control the spread of the disease and i was reading this uh, news sometime back i was i'm not sure i think it was june or july Mm -hmm. and it was like when danish officials they confirmed that they will be actually doing away with more than 1.1 million doses of vaccines right because they had so much extra and they didn't have people and now they're coming to an expiry so they have no other option just to do away with it imagine those 1.1 million million doses of vaccines had not been procured earlier could have been used for so many people from so many parts of the world exactly so that's how vaccine nationalism comes into play right and so that brings me to another question now that we discuss vaccine nationalism has happened during covid as well right and i know a little about it was because while so many countries low and middle income countries were struggling to procure their first doses for their population highly developed countries were actually having the third dose yeah, they for were their. giving their booster shot yeah it was the fourth shot the exactly booster shots given so, yeah. so like how exactly did vaccine nationalism sort of affect the entire during that covid pandemic time can you elaborate more on that see like in the last two years the world has gone through so many things together right and in recent times like i'm sure in past four or five decades in recent time there has been a no situation where no one in the world was safe yeah like everybody of course there were people who were more vulnerable because of age and like health issues and right. all, but everybody in the world was at risk and as we saw these extraordinary times becoming ordinary yeah. becoming normalized we thought like the best possible solution could have been a global cooperation yeah. or vaccine distribution and because we knew that what we were facing in our country or people from other poorer countries some same kind of situations were being felt because even the best health infrastructure supported countries got down on their knees yeah so we knew what happened in italy we know we knew what happened in the us at the right. uk at one point in time and all of those countries so we saw vaccine development and vaccine distribution and ultimately getting out of the pandemic as the only signs of hope right 
but nevertheless the equitable supply of vaccine did not happen mm. there was a nationalistic or my country first approach being yeah. followed for both acquirement and distribution right by many countries and which ultimately failed the idea of health for all right and as now we don't really talk about it because lives have gone back to normal mm. touch wood but it's very important to look back at what what countries and like how did they acquire and procure such large quantities of vaccine when in the first place they didn't even need it hmm. so for example uh, canada or hmm. switzerland they had or they acquired more than 4 to 7 times of the amount needed to vaccine their entire population by multilateral or bilateral right. agreements for multiple vaccines even greece france united kingdom germany and several countries joined them so right. we know that these countries had vaccines much before than the rest of the world had right. access to yeah. and uh, decisions like this we thought the decisions like this put manufacturers also in the jeopardy but i according to me the foul play was done from both the end i mean a lot of pharmaceutical companies were also at fault because they were portraying that the idea was to aid to the humanity at minimum cost but at the end of it it was really not it right. was actually getting most strong holding financial stocks for their uh, for their vaccine production right and there have been data driven research which show that most vaccine doses in 2020 and 2021 were estimated to be produced in rich countries like the US or hmm. the China or United Kingdom or South Korea right and each of these pharmaceutical companies had their agreements to sell their vaccines depending on the estimated profit that they were getting from all of these companies right. and of course that's why the impoverished countries like you know like in yeah. like india is still far better like impoverished countries like malawi south sudan togo and others were left far far behind and right. we know that afghanistan went to its own turbulent situation yeah. because of taliban then what happened in ukraine of right. course so the syria libya mm-hmm. all of that so these countries were already dealing with so many uh, domestic issues yeah. at the end of the day they still don't have uh, i am not exactly sure like what are the rates of vaccination currently hmm. but i'm pretty sure they're alarmingly yeah. low for all of these poor countries right so that's how vaccine nationalism unfolded uh, during the covid-19 pandemic and actually just failed the idea for providing health access to all people irrespective of their socio economic conditions right. like what happened is like this approach is people are not understanding it the p- approach is self defeating yeah. because nobody is safe until everybody is safe right and i think that's what a lot of people tend to forget right because in the pretext of protecting your country and your people you are sort of limiting the access to these kind of things to the poorer people or the poorer countries or even middle income countries where people might keep shuttling between these two countries and stuff which is at the end of the day puts everyone at risk Yeah, and those doses which went in waste, which got yeah. expired, could have actually saved so many lives. Uh, exactly, like because when you think of it, one point one million doses is not a small number. Yeah, that is probably a population of a city somewhere in a bigger country, in a poor country which is quite large, bigger in size. So in these kind of things, like 
obviously, I mean, yeah, I know WHO has been raising concerns about it, but the fact that like nothing, yeah, the governments and authorities yeah. are really not weren't really doing anything about it. Like US, of course, later agreed to supply some of their mm-hmm. vaccine, but this was actually after months of yeah. bureaucracy, yeah, like months of decisions being going back and forth and even like European Union was fighting with the UK regarding AstraZeneca not working. So all of these plays, I would rather name it as foul plays, being played between all of these rich countries could have been avoided and would have saved so many lives in other parts of the world. That's true. Yeah. Uh, So before asking another follow-up question on it, let's take a short break and we will be right back. Hello and welcome back. We were discussing about vaccine nationalism. Mehek and I were talking about it. So now, resuming to our conversation, Mehek, you, I think, initially also mentioned that this has vaccine nationalism has also been present even before the COVID-19 pandemic. Though, like, obviously, COVID-19 pandemic brought it at the forefront and pushed all our attention to it. But this has happened in the past. Can you, like, talk about it a little bit in the sense where exactly has it happened? What are the cases where we've seen it? So yeah, you rightly said that everybody has been talking about it right now and like especially after a lot of human rights groups and WHO has raised concerns over it. Right. And we have seen people dying because of lack of vaccines at the end of it. So everybody's talking about vaccine nationalism during COVID, but it's not the first time that mm-hmm. it's done. There have been several research studies, there have been papers published that how rich countries have been doing this for a lot of other diseases. Right. For example, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would remember when uh, there was this swine flu, H1N1 influenza virus breakout, I think it was in 2009. Yeah. And during that swine flu pandemic, many rich countries had gotten into agreements with manufacturing units to get the initial supplies and initial supplies were in large numbers right so these prevented vaccines from reaching people from the middle and low-income countries on time and of course we know a lot of people had died of it later also and like in India also it became an issue of health concern right but uh, I know that although a lot of rich nations later point in time did come forward to help the lesser development ones but they only did it after ensuring that people in their countries were vaccinated, right. irrespective of understanding the severe and serious, much more serious health concerns in other parts of the country. Right. And similarly, like for uh, HIV patients as well, like yeah. antiretroviral drugs for the treatment of HIV patients were unavailable in Africa, mm-hmm. which was actually the worst affected region. I remember I was seeing this movie it's called fire in the blood and if i'm not wrong i think it's by mohan dillon it's on hiv and it also covers some bits of pieces of india as well where it's focused on most parts of africa and i remember this one line that has stayed with me i watched it a couple of years back and there was one this lady who said it we're not dying because we are sick we are dying because we are poor right so like it's happened before and like for a lot of countries do not also allow generic drugs to be available right. and vaccines to be available. And it's actually estimated that for HIV AIDS, which has said to have led over three lakhs deaths, what could have been prevented mm-hmm. had vaccines and other like other medical treatments were available from in Africa from 2000 to 2005. Right. And the delay of the treatment reaching the region 
was the biggest reason for those three lakh deaths. And right, like we don't realize three lakh is such a huge number. Yeah. Imagine those three lakh people could have been alive and with vulnerable countries often receiving late access to treatments, to vaccines, to drugs, to medicine. Also, non-alliance of generic drugs because of patents mm. has actually shown how low value we attach to people from uh, these countries. Right. But if I were to sort of, I mean, I completely understand your viewpoints about, you know, how uh, there has been so much of delay in like, obviously, the vaccine nationalism has prevented the low and middle income countries from getting the rightful doses or something. But if I were to defend vaccine nationalism in some sort of way, like if we have to look at it from this perspective, then isn't it right for the governments to sort of protect their own citizens like I mean they're doing it's sort of like a very you know us and we approach right so and that's a though from a very outsider point of view it might look very selfish Mm -hmm. but what if at that given point of time this is what is justified for them yeah like a lot of governments I remember had the point of say a lot of people also have the point of view that the government responsibility is to protect their citizens and not every citizen of the world which if you think can be right or justified at Hmm. some point in time but you have to know in situations like the COVID-19 pandemic right it cannot be a zero-sum game yeah Uh, you have to understand that vaccine nationalism is not just I remember there was what WHO had given a statement that it's not only an issue of moral at the end of the day so vaccine nationalism is not just morally indefensible it's actually self-defeating in epidemiological terms Mm. and it's also very clinically counterproductive right so i get where people say like oh we have to save our people first and then we'll think about the rest but you have to understand that limited supplies and overwhelming demand and people suffering more create more losers than winners at the end of the day especially with the pandemic because of the transport being open and like of course people commuting from one part of the world to the other yeah you have to understand that Everybody has to be vaccinated. uh, Allowing the majority of the world's population to go unvaccinated will unnecessarily create inlets and deaths and ongoing like continuous lockdowns, shutdowns, economic breakdowns. Right. And of course, there will be new mutations. More people will suffer. So all of this will affect everyone. Yeah, everyone. If not, maybe if not health-wise, but economically, everything will be affected. So I am not at the point of view that just the case to protect our citizens, we should let yeah. people die. And also in the, especially the case when we are over purchasing things we don't even need. Yeah. I mean, sustainability is yeah, what we exactly. need to like go for, right? Yeah. Uh, so now, like now that we've discussed so much about what are the problems associated with this and what exactly happened, etc., what do you think is a solution to this problem? Like I know WHO is raising concerns, but like what is the way to sort of prevent this from happening? Like, What is a vaccination for vaccine nationalism? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, the vaccine for vaccine nationalism is vaccine equity. Hmm. And we have to understand that the need for health for all has not been felt like this this urgently than ever before right and we have to realize this might not be the last pandemic we face there yeah. are, every time every year there is some kind of there will be epidemics there will be more pandemics there will be more mutations mm. you never know what new variant of covid comes into play right. like 
recently there was a new variant which was making noise in europe so we have to fight together as a world we need more accelerator programs like who's covax initiative which aims to accelerate development and manufacture of the covid-19 vaccines right. and it also guarantees fair and equitable access for every country in the world hmm. so i think vaccine equity prepares to build that safety net for countries and people which have nothing to fall back upon yeah. to so and apart from that i think what countries need to be more morally forward in this like for example sharing of technology i remember right. some countries had the formula for vaccine much more than other mm. countries so of course sharing of such technology sharing of such information it's actually at the end of the day nothing but humane right. and that will help us to achieve equity we need more and more countries to produce vaccine at much lower prices right. it also has another tangent of patents and mm. contracts and everything being involved so the agreement between astrazeneca and the serum institute of india to mm. produce vaccine for developing countries for example right is one of the such partnerships we need more in future so right. there is no better way than vaccine equity and like for example in covid 19 pandemic also we knew that we needed herd immunity and we'll be only able to achieve it once 70% of the world population is right. fully vaccinated which yeah. is which in that there has been so much delay to this so we yeah. know that because of this there will be more overburdened health systems mm. and of course it will also give a more better environment for all other diseases to yeah. probably sustain so at the end of the day we need global cooperation and we have to realize there can be no sole winner of this race because this is a race not against each other but together against the disease and the sickness yeah and also because when i remember the covid pandemic had hit and all the countries were going through their own struggles with like you know people suffering economies going down and everything everything was like oh we'll get through this together it was all like oh we will sort of sort this out together but the minute the vaccination came into yeah. picture yeah. all countries started fighting about who yeah. will get more yeah. control of number of doses and all of that and now we're talking about vaccine nationalism then there will be of course vaccine amongst races the- Yeah. ethnic groups at the end of the day it's basically the privilege getting vaccine exactly. first yeah so i know if we solve vaccine we fix no the problem of vaccine nationalism how will you solve the problem of gender bias and right, so we right. know we have data in india also like how certain sections of society got vaccines much more than other sections yeah. of society which is also wrong so if you ignore the one you know one of these problems it's not like you won't have another problems yeah. to face upon but tackling the problem as it comes when you know that there is a problem and you know that these are the things that are leading to the problem if you tackle one becomes slowly easier to untangle exactly. the rest of the problem and kind of solve yeah. it and we are yet to discover so many new things about the covid 19 yeah. Uh, it's the virus and its variant and we are still in the midst of it and this is as i said again this is not the last pandemic means yeah. there will be other uh, diseases as well and only every time a global cooperation strategy will help all of us get out of such situation safely a self interested holding strategy will only prolong the existence of other of the disease and the bottom line is that if one loses everybody. everyone loses yeah. yeah that's actually a good point so with that we will bring an end to this episode thank you mahak thank you for joining me today and uh, it was a really fruitful and informative conversation thanks thank- thanks priya thank you for having me yeah thank you so much bye bye bye
you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.